Our first reading for this afternoon is from the 12th chapter of 1 Samuel. And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice and all that you have said to me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me and I will restore it to you. They said, You have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, He is witness. And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness, who appointed Moses and Aaron, and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore, Stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But They forgot the Lord their God. And he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. They cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Barak, and Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us. The Lord your God was your king. Now behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king. Over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. and You shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. 
And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil, to ask for ourselves a king. Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the 22nd and 23rd chapters of Acts. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews... He unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. The high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee, son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. When he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit. But the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? When the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so must you testify also in Rome. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation with our next portion on the sacrament of the altar. Who receives this sacrament worthily? Fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training, but that person is truly worthy and well-prepared who has faith in these words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. But anyone who does not believe these words or doubts them is unworthy and unprepared for the words for you require all hearts to believe. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In this portion that we just read from the Sacrament of the Altar, there is a sweet and delicious gospel in here. Luther said this, But that person is truly worthy and well-prepared who has faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Because really when it comes down to it, for the Sacrament of the Altar... That's what it means to receive it worthily. To believe that this physical body and physical blood of Christ is done all for you. That is truly what makes someone worthy and well prepared to receive it. But then Luther adds these words. But anyone who does not believe these words, or doubts them, is unworthy and unprepared. For the words for you require all hearts to believe. You know, as Lutherans, we, we speak about receiving the sacrament rightly, worthily. We don't like using the words worthily because it reeks of works righteousness. But that's not what Luther's talking about. To receive the sacrament of the altar worthily is to recognize that you are nothing but a lowly sinner and that you have absolutely nothing of your own to bring to Christ but that Christ in his mercy is giving it all to you. That's what it means to receive worthily. That's what it means to have faith in Christ, really. To recognize that in and of ourselves, we can do absolutely nothing in and of ourselves to save ourselves, right? Our salvation is dependent entirely upon God. That's why Luther worded it the way that he did. Because true worthiness in, in receiving the Lord's Supper is to recognize that you need it. That you're not perfect. That you are a sinner. And to run to Christ and be embraced by Christ. That's true faith. That's what Luther is getting at with this. And that's been a challenge for people throughout the ages. For people in the church. There have been plenty of times, and you can see this in the history of the church, when people in the church, church leaders, church members, pastors, priests, they think they can do it on their own, or at least help out in some way. Or they'll only speak of Jesus as if he's a a side thought, because really it's all right here. Listen to me and look at me and just follow my life. It's all about the pastor or whoever it is, and not about Jesus. And that's the boat that the uh, Israelites found themselves in in our Old Testament reading tonight. 
They had God who literally pulled them out of Egypt out of slavery. They literally saw a Red Sea divide. They saw all all of those ten plagues. They saw it with their own two eyes. And not too long after that, instead of just relying on God and what God did for them, which is gospel, pure gospel, what did they ask for? A king. Because they want to look like everyone else in this world. They wanted a king. A, a, a leader. Someone that they could rally behind. A guy. Whoever that is. And not God. They wanted their eyes focused right here, right now, on a political leader that was going to lead them. And they took their eyes off of God. That's why Samuel warned them today. (laughs) He basically said, okay, you get your king, but. And here's what he said. Because this is what's important. Faith is always what's important, right? Doesn't matter if you have a king or you don't have a king. Doesn't matter if you have a president or you don't have a president. I don't care what political strain you're from or, or what country you're in in this world. That stuff doesn't matter. What matters is faith in Christ, right? And this is what he said to the Jews after they asked for this king. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. And if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. And I think we all know how that went for the Jews. The Israelites didn't have a great track record of faithfulness, did they? God himself described them as a morning dew, right? You see it almost every summer now. It's a little, now it's humid out. (laughs) Morning dew. You walk outside, grass is a little wet. Hour later, it's gone, right? Dry. That's how God described their love for him, their faithfulness for him. And why? Lots of reasons. One reason, though, they took their eyes off of God. They took their hearts off of God and placed it on a king, a man, to lead them. And it's always going to go badly. When humans do that, and especially when the church does it, may we never take our focus off of Christ. May we never talk more about any world leader or politician or anyone, any human being for that matter, unless it's Jesus Christ our Lord. I think about that sometimes, even when you just watch the news. And I think, You know, how many times today have I read a news article about this topic or that topic versus how many have I read that talk about Jesus? And I know how that goes. Jesus always gets shortchanged. You know? It's easy to do. It was for the Israelites. And yet, even in spite of that, even in spite of their 
their, their love, which was like the morning dew, here and then gone in an hour. God didn't abandon them. We do. He doesn't. And he said this. Samuel said this to the people. And he says this to us also. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. Because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. God has made you his people. I mean, have you ever thought about that? As you walk around in this world, as you walk through Giant Eagle, as you walk through a store, as you're in a school, wherever, you're different. You don't wear it you know, like a tattoo on your forehead that says, hi, I'm a Christian. You, you don't wear it as a name tag saying, I am so-and-so, uh, baptized by Jesus, reborn into Jesus, that's who I am. You know, we don't... Carry that around as a name tag, identifying who we are. But that does not make you any less God's people. Because that is exactly who you are because of Christ. He has made you his people. He has plucked you out of this world and made you his own. Baptized into him, he has tattooed, basically, I always say this, he has spiritually tattooed all of us on our foreheads and hearts. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's how you are marked. You're baptized. Made a child of God. Made a people. And it was done by the Lord. By, by Him. All for us. Because He loves us and cares for us that much. And that brings us back to what we read today in the sacrament of the altar. Worthiness in coming to this altar being well prepared to come and receive the Lord's Supper. That is not dependent upon you. Your worthiness and preparedness does not mean that your life is all together, and only when your life is all together you can say, all right, I'm ready to go up to that altar and to have Jesus. No. You are worthy and well prepared when you come up here, sometimes sniveling, crying, broken, bent over, hurting, that's worthiness. That's well prepared. Because it is God who has prepared you. It is God who makes you his people. You don't make yourself his people. You don't get yourself all put together. God's the one who's put you together. And he's done it through Christ. And there's no other way to do it other than through Christ. Apostle Paul understood this, didn't he? If you want to talk about a hot mess of a guy, just look at Paul. He was a murderer of Christians, right? For almost a year and a half, he persecuted the church in Jerusalem, killing Christians. As he says later in Acts, having men and women carried off, and when they were judged at the council, like where Paul was just standing today, Paul himself said he would cast his vote against them. And guess what the vote was for? Capital punishment. Stoning, most likely, for blasphemy. 
That's Paul. And yet, Paul, let me say that, sorry, Jesus, didn't give up on Paul. It's Jesus who forgave all of those sins of Paul. It is Jesus who prepared Paul for salvation. It is Jesus who prepared Paul to be able to receive the sacrament worthily. As we saw today, Paul, when he stood in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, said, it is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial. It's a beautiful sentiment, and it's true. And it's true for all of us. God has made us his people, and we are an everlasting people. Because we also believe in the resurrection of the dead, which has been won for us by Jesus Christ, our Lord, who every day of our lives will be the one who truly makes us worthy and well prepared to receive him. That happens not by glossing over our sins, but owning up to them, recognizing them. Jesus didn't come for saints. He came for sinners. Paul said, he is the greatest. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.